first of all, I'd just like to say welcome. And thank you for taking the time to jump on here with me. Um, we spoke, we, we were in contact a couple of weeks back when I knew that I was going to brave real talk, but I didn't know when this conversation would take place and here we are. Um, if it's okay with you, I would love, love, love to begin the conversation where I left off with you yesterday, which was by reading the post that you shared. Hmm. This for me was the embodiment of vulnerability. And for you to come into this space with me today, I feel really honored and blessed. Um, would it be okay with you, for anybody who's not familiar with the post, for me to actually read from it? Oh, please, yeah. This just is everything. You're one of the most courageous people I've, I've ever come across. And I, I, I sincerely mean that. It's so rare that we go through these fires and meet people who are willing to, to actually show up and talk about it. And that for me is what the likes of these conversations are. You have had some life transformational experiences. I mean, I don't even have words to describe what you've gone through. I can't because you're you, you can. But this gives an, a small snippet of, of where you were at in the last 24 hours. Mm. So Missy wrote yesterday on her page, sharing this picture of myself the day after a drug-induced psychosis is by far the most vulnerable thing God has asked of me so far. It's difficult for me to find words to convey how it feels to experience this level of darkness or what it actually takes to find one's way out of it. But I'm willing to try. This photo was taken in June 2018. As you can see from the sorrow in my eyes, I was devastated. I had just relapsed after nearly reaching a full year of sobriety. I had put my heart and my soul into the inner work of claiming my will and my power back from the entity of drugs. And in an instant, I had handed it all right back. I lost my mind quicker than I have ever had in this relapse. The voices and hallucinations played on my sensitivities and my good intentions. I had gotten trapped inside of the mirror with the hallucinations of bugs coming out of my pores. And much like the misfiring of a short circuit, I was stuck in a loop of insanity that I couldn't pull out of. I had literally picked an entire layer of skin off my face. This is not the first time something like this had happened. There was a period of three years while in homelessness that I wouldn't even look at myself in the mirror. Still to this day, it takes a tremendous effort to hold my reflection in the mirror without my mind trying to escape. This in of itself has become a practice that doesn't necessarily get easier. I am simply getting better at handling it. It took me two more months of an and an overdose later to find stability in sobriety again. And almost at the very beginning of my journey, it felt as though I was pushing a boulder uphill to create a kind, any kind of a healthy momentum. The difference was that the positive momentum built faster and stronger this time around. 
I had already pioneered my way out of the pitch black before I simply followed my old steps over the same bridge. This time the bridge was more stable. I chose to leave the bridge there to assist others to find their way across the depths of hell should they need an example that it is possible. Because it surely is possible. I hold a deep understanding that there is never a misfortune or a failure that doesn't hold within it an equal or greater gift. The darkness is my gift. The sorrow, the pain, the insanity of my affliction is the key to what I came here in this earth incarnation to embody and to teach. But this can only be done by healing the story that I am a victim. That somehow this harsh world, my genetics or my broken family had betrayed me and had imprinted onto me an unfair and unjust sentence of addiction. It is an alchemical art form to transmute victim consciousness into empowerment. It requires full ownership and responsibility of everything that shows up in my existence. That's not easy. Again, I'm simply getting better at handling it. Only by going within and taking a look at myself will my outside experience reflect change. I share these words and this photo from a space of empowerment. I share this so that others may witness firsthand that anybody, no matter how low or lost they become, can wake up. Let us not ostracize or judge the other. Let us embrace and be inclusive of so many struggling on their paths today. This is both an incredibly phenomenal and terrifying time to be alive on this planet. Some will appear to be getting much worse before they begin to get better. Love them there, as I love you here. I can only imagine what it feels like to listen to your words being read back to you. Yeah. My energy is coursing through my body as I read your words. And I appreciate, like I said, more than anything, and now having shared those words, I think people might get a better understanding of just how big this conversation is for you. Mm. Because what you're doing is leaning in even further to your darkness and your light. Mm all at the same time so thank you can you talk to us about your post yesterday and where that came from how that came about so that photo i took sitting basically right where i'm sitting right now about two and a half years ago and I remember deleting the photo almost immediately because if I never saw that photo again, it would be too soon. And when I went back into sobriety, the energy that I carried with me was just focus on what you want. Leave the darkness behind, leave everything that has happened to you behind and just really focus on your future. And that's a beautiful place to be. And that's really necessary at first. But in the transition from third dimensional consciousness to fourth dimensional consciousness, there is a place where you hit almost, um, it starts to slow down your development if you don't acknowledge 
your own darkness, your past, your trauma. Mm -hmm. That stuff has to be looked at. It has to be processed. And so I began doing, you know, really deep shadow work and, and meeting myself in my dark places. And I've come really far with that in two and a half years. It was the day before I posted that. So two days ago, I, you know, I did like a pull down all of these photos from the cloud on my phone. And that photo showed up in my phone. And I took one look at that just from the very first moment I laid eyes on it and the message came through immediately speak to this. And I got in my own way for sure for about 24 hours. I, I was like, no, are you serious? Like, this is a, a level of vulnerability and transparency and authenticity that isn't, isn't easy to show up in. It's, it's a practice. It's something that you, you come into over time. But one thing I know for sure is that when I, my intuition, my higher self, God, however you want to look at this, tells me very clearly to do something, I will do it. I will. Yeah. yeah. So in the piece you described having ventured from this dark place to tackling the addictions. Mm. You were a full year in sobriety and whatever circumstances unfolded, you found yourself back in, in one aspect where you started mm. and yet you weren't. Can you, can you talk to how it must, how, how did it feel? Is actually what I want to know. How did it feel after living a life dancing with this darkness? I know from from uh, some of your posts that uh, I've read that addiction has been a huge part of your world, um, mm. from your family unit, from your history. What was it that took you from that place to? making a decision to even contemplate the exploration of sobriety how did you get from the depths of of your own darkness when your environment was completely so big that it reflected nothing but that mm -hmm. to go from that place to wanting something better for yourself to wanting something different because i can imagine that that was not an easy place to go to from one world into another. Yeah. Um, for me, it took ultimate desperation. I had to get completely beat down to the point where I knew that I would lose my mind and never come back or I would die again and i wouldn't make it this time i knew i i had to the innermost core of my being 
I knew that if I didn't fight for my life, I was going to die. And if I'm really completely vulnerable and honest to you, this deep desire to be a mother, I have always had written on my spirit. And I knew that if I, I saw so many women lose their children to drugs and to addiction. And I used to say, well, at least I haven't lost any children to addiction yet. Like, I, I still have something. You know, I haven't lost it all. And I heard this real-time voice one day say, oh, but you are. And I don't have children yet. Mm -hmm. It's always been this one day... I'll pull it together and I'll be able to have this functional family. And I heard this voice say, you are missing your chance. And it was a perfect storm of blacking out and being raped that lit this fire within me to fight to pull out this warrior that was inside of me and just to get hell and to fight for my life, which is really helpful until again, you reach a certain point in development and you have to stop fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a double-edged sword. I'm still learning that because as long as I'm willing to put up a fight in energy, there's something more than happy to meet me there and duke it out. Yeah. And it's so subtle, isn't it? For me, it's not. For me, because I have access in my mind, I'm able to see the entities. I, I suffered with um, sleep paralysis in early sobriety for about three months, about five times a week. And these entities would choke me out, would shove their fingers down my throat, would just harass me in my sleep. And I would be lucid, but I would be paralyzed. And that was such a huge lesson to me because I tried to fight them and protect myself and put up barriers and, and all of these things. And I'm so appreciative of that experience because through it, I began my journey into divine neutrality and into finding a neutral space, even with something as terrifying as that. And once I began to become neutral around these entities and not look at them as if they're bad or evil, but just as messengers, they, they just, they've never come around since. Yes. And so I've learned to be more neutral about so many things and my life has gotten a lot easier. <laughs> Can I ask, um, prior to this, this particular point that you've just uh, discussed, mm -hmm. what did your world look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm. So, sorry to interrupt you, but like, it, it was your norm. Mm -hmm. It was your norm. It was your, your, an environment that you grew up in. You had family members. Uh, who were also um, dealing with addiction issues. Mm -hmm. 
so the environment that 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 we grow up in for all of us excluding addiction defines so much for us holds so much of our of our um our keys to our healing so what did that environment look like to you what what was your norm like growing up as a child or or as i was in addiction as in addiction okay yeah you know I started using drugs at 14 years old and I didn't actually reach the doors of addiction until I was about 23. Um, and my daily life, what that looked like, it got progressively worse. Um, by the end of it, I was homeless. I mean, I didn't have a stable place to stay and the deputies at the jail knew and cared more about me than anybody I knew in my life. The thing about me that's really, I feel like is really different in some ways, I don't hear a lot of people speak to this, is that <clears throat> I always had good intentions um, in addiction, which, I mean, it's so common for people to put a drug in their body and for this for the, something to spark in them where they would lie, cheat, still have sex with anyone to get what they need, right? Mm -hmm. But that never really happened to me. I, I was much in, in a much more like disempowered place where I didn't want to hurt anybody and I had good intentions, but my heart and my intentions were filtered with all of this chaos. Mm -hmm. and, and I was bringing chaos everywhere I went. I had, you know, no stability in my life. Um, something that's really difficult is that I wanted to get clean probably the last year and a half in homelessness. But because I felt like such a victim, that's the only thing that could show up in my experience. That's the only thing that could really show itself to me. I wasn't able to get even Medicaid at the time because I, which is like government um, insurance, you know, I couldn't get that because I didn't have children. Um, now in the United States, or at least in Salt Lake, that's very much different. They changed the laws like right after I got sober. Um, but I, I was stuck in this limbo of, a, of victimhood because I was holding out on having children. I was very careful to not want to mess that sacred part of myself up or to taint it in any way. And yet because of that, I wasn't able to get help. Mm -hmm. And that kept me in this victim mindset for so long. And um, I slept like on the streets. They didn't have a homeless shelter in where I lived in Provo, Utah. Um, so in and out of jail, they would pick, you know, take me to jail for 17 days or so. Cause I never really had like any hardcore criminal charges. It was just like, you know, missing court, being unstable. Yeah. Um, and I would detox in jail and hallucinate and have these crazy experiences with entities. And my gift was very unbalanced and it was a nightmare. So when your environment is bigger than you in this situation, you're talking about the homelessness, you're talking about the internal conflict. 
to want more but not being able to um, rise above it so many people i i'm in my own world have battled with addiction um, one of my best friends is uh, a recovered alcoholic and we talk at length about this where she talks about not the addiction but the pain and how the pain in turn fueled her own um cycle the mm -hmm. habitual cycle of of repeating over and over when within this this uh, situation in this cycle again her her intention never to hurt anybody outside of her to simply try to break the cycle that was so much bigger than her but the attachment to her pain the attachment to the the victim uh space that you, you talked about a second ago equally meant that she had to go to a very very dark place a very deep place a very you know a place where she realized that she had to choose herself that nobody was coming in to to, to save her yeah if i could there's a, a post that you shared the other day if, if, if it's okay with you to to read from it again it just ties in perfectly you put up a picture with it it said she needed a hero and that's what she became and the words you shared this is like it pre-paved i guess where you ended up where you mm. shared this post yesterday we always can feel this 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 big thing coming in us every seeming infliction can be transmuted by the flame found deep within the darkness of our own misery Mm. This sacred flame is accessed only by a willingness to sit within the space of despair without trying to escape, but rather accepting the moment in full illusion that it just may never shift again. It is here that we transcend victim consciousness and take full responsibility for the state of our own condition. The knowing that nobody was coming to save me was once a devastating realization but the awakening into my inner hero is something that can never be taken away by any villain of the mind. I'd really love for you to talk to that, you know, after what you've just discussed about being in this place, mm. because there is nobody coming to save anybody. It really is an inside job, but for you and so many people who, who deal with this, such a massive job that sometimes can seem completely insurmountable it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking to witness and equally i'm in awe of it for for the gift that it actually gives each and every person who comes through it yeah it's um the way that i look at this is very different than when i was in that level of darkness because it's it's quite the illusion when you're in jail and you're detoxing off of heroin and meth and benzodiazepines because it creates this psychosis of the mind where most people would just go to sleep for a week if they were doing one of those drugs the other one keeps you awake you know it just it it's this cocktail that that put me in this um out of my mind many times and being stuck in that space for like 17 days and nights inside of a jail cell is um, 
you know, you're really forced to take a look at yourself. Mm -hmm. This is what I know to be true. It is that inside of that level of despair and darkness, there is an illusion that surrounds you and that within that space, if you surrender to it without trying to escape, the illusion that you are fully surrounded and you might never find your way out. If you can surrender to that and go within, in that there is an opening into the light. And I've really mastered the art of this, even though every time I'm in that space, I feel as though maybe I'll never come out. You know, even still. And another fascinating thing is that when you're in that level of darkness, you then have access to every memory of yeah. being within that level of darkness that you don't usually have access to. Yeah. And you all of a sudden remember every withdrawal, every heartbreak, and it's all coming in on you. Now, this is why most people do not want to get sober. Yeah. Because then you have to face the children that you lost, the family that you walked away from, all of the reason that, reasons that you use, you have to actually sit with. This is the thing. Many people are beginning to reach that space because all of the darkness, all of the trauma, all of the reasons to keep using to escape is being highlighted to such an ex a, like a major massive extent on the planet. There is so much light coming in. It's just highlighting all of this within so many people who are struggling. And I know that there, it's easy to have the tendency to want to rescue them, to want to make them more comfortable, to want to give them a place to stay in a warm blanket and just coddle them. Now this is a delicate art because I think it's important to love them. I saw this post once when I was in deep darkness that said, if an addict is happy with you, you're doing something wrong. If an addict is mad at you, you're doing something right. And I thought that can't be right. That can't be a good advice because what I needed was love and compassion and so to be able to hold space in a loving way and not rescue is such a delicate art. And to try this, to practice this, because it is a practice, you'll find yourself making mistake after mistake and really learning the discernment of how to allow somebody to reach their own rock bottom to where they have that Phoenix moment where they're ready to do anything to never have to feel that again. And not patting their fall to where they're just comfortable enough to stay where they are. Yeah. Ooh. Because if we could, if I, could have made it work to continue to use drugs, I would not be on this call with you. 
-hmm. I would not be on this live with you. I would be out having a good old time with drugs right now because if it could have worked for me just one more day, one more day, I would have stayed. It had to get to the point where every piece of my physical material and my dignity world was ripped from me before I was activated. And, and it's important to also remember that these are spiritual choices made at a higher level. This is our own soul, our own highest self choosing these contracts. And look, I've only been, let me say it this way, that, that photo of me that I shared was only two and a half years ago. I'm moving very quickly. I'm moving very deliberately and very fast because many people who struggle with such afflictions are actually built for it and built to be resilient, to bounce back and then to move and ascend quickly. So keep that in mind. Don't disrupt somebody's process. I think, you know, what you're talking to is, is an experience that so many are, are, are having at the moment, minus the physical experience with addiction. Mm -hmm. There is so much light, so much pain is being highlighted, or so much light is coming in, so much of our pain is being highlighted for, for transmutation. For, for, oh my, it's so big. <laughs> I mean, it's so big. And when you're in that place, it's the easiest thing in the world to think that it's just you there. There's nobody else there. And nobody else gets it. Nobody else understands it. It is the easiest thing in the world to <laughs> lean in on the people who you know you can depend on to, to buffer your pain. Mm. It's very easy, equally, for the people who are on or who are in that experience to through their own experience not want to add to the suffering of the person in that position who is crying out for change crying out to reconnect with themselves i see it in my own family unit i see the impact of the choices of one person and how they impact another never from a place of of malice but it's inevitable that that what's in one is in the whole and, and so it has a ripple effect on on the people around us i would really love for you to talk to if you could what addiction in relationship looks like being mm. the person who wants that wants that change how in your experience, from your own personal experience, what did it look like knowing that you never, ever, ever wanted to do any harm to anyone? Mm. The only thing from, from what I'm listening to is, is your desire, your, your longing to reconnect with yourself, reconnect with all of you, as opposed to look outside of you for, for that. What did it feel like for you to be the person wanting this change but impacting on other people or did you have people around you mm. at any point that that tried to buffer this 
pain for you? <laughs> you know, um, if I'm completely honest and sincere about this, I, I definitely did not, especially the last years. Um, my mom is an incredible woman and she has six children and five of those children are addicts or, you know, have suffered with addiction on some level. And it's really fascinating because she has helped all of my siblings get into treatment multiple times. But when it came to me, she was a little bit more, there was just something intuitively in her that was like, don't, I also didn't have children. So if I was a mother and I had a child out there, maybe I could have, it's very fascinating. This whole child thing was the thing that I held on to and also the thing that kept me out. Yeah. Um, but I, when I finally went from jail into sober living, I had just the clothes on my back, which were borrowed. <laughs> actually and you know no ID not a dollar nothing and I asked my mom I said will you buy me a pack of underwear and she said no now at the time that was devastating I felt like am I not even worth a you know a pack of underwear but this is what that level of this is what that did for me it made it so that every single thing that I have earned or will earn is me. And all of my friends, I lost them all. They couldn't be around me. I, I Anybody who is healthy in my life left. Yeah. And how did it feel when you literally watched these people exit your life? There was a numbing to it, definitely. I mean, that's, that's what the continued use of drugs does, is you don't necessarily have to face that until mm -hmm. you, you come to that place where you have to go within your own darkness and get sober. You have to face yourself. And then for me, I was able to make amends and, and do the work needed to rebuild those relationships now. Yeah. So many of us anesthetize ourselves from feeling anything now. Life mm -hmm. got so busy for all of us. I think the gift of, of 2020 was the stopping everybody in their tracks mm. and allowing them the space to be with themselves without having to go to the likes of the, of the depths of where you travel to. Is there anything that you could say to somebody who is in it right now, mm. who wants change in their life but doesn't know where to begin where did you begin what was it what was it what was the thing the time the event the situation that you just said I'm done with this shit <laughs> or was it a culmination of all of them because it sounds like there was only some so much um numbing that you could do it, it it's like it sounds like it peaked it could you couldn't keep doing it to yourself, literally. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I were to say something to people struggling with addiction, it would just simply be, it's okay to be where you are. Yeah. Like, if, if we just 
can take away all of the pressure to change, all of the need. You, you need to be somewhere else. You need to be different. There's something wrong with you. And we can just simply accept. It's okay. Like you are where you are. And once the, the energy of acceptance comes through, you can actually begin to have an understanding and then make the changes necessary. But until, until they feel like it's okay to start where I am, if I, you know, the one message that I really am doing, I feel like it's my mission to embody fully and that's, no matter how far down you go, yeah. no matter <clears throat> who you've hurt, what you've lost, how low that bottom is, there is hope and you can change. It's not going to be easy. And at first, it's going to make a tremendous, take a tremendous effort with very little results to get the ball moving from a negative momentum uh, into a positive one yeah. is where most people fall because it's you have to change literally every single thing like your outside your people places playgrounds which is a great start but then you actually have to go within and forgive yourself yeah. and forgive others and I feel like that feels like a tremendous amount of work. It feels like a load. So if somebody was suffering an addiction and I were to say just something simple, it would be, it's okay to start where you're at. And I would just honestly say just for today. Yeah. Because just as that, just for today, it creates a momentum one day at a time that's very much needed in the beginning to break out of those loops of addiction. Yeah. Self-acceptance is, is obviously, it's key here before you can even accept um, anything else. Mm. And if you've lived a life of, of doing the opposite to yourself, it can be a very daunting thing to to do a daunting place to go. Um, we're all guilty. I'm definitely guilty of this, of seeing a situation, a picture, seeing what I perceive to be, you know, um, the best action to take, the best course to do, the best whatever way you might look at it. And remember then equally, it's not my place. It's not my journey. It's not my story. Mm -hmm. and, and to be able to separate the two. Meeting somebody where they are moment by moment by moment. As in from the out, the perspective of, of coming at it from the outside is really important. Equally, meeting yourself moment by moment. I'm realizing I'm in this, this space at the moment of what I resonated with yesterday. I have no resonance with it today. The things I had conviction with speaking about yesterday might have no hold on me today and that that's okay. Um, if we can detach from our story 
if we can detach from our pain, if we can detach from the things that have kept us in that loop and be here now, moment by moment, I think it takes a lot of pressure off. Um, is there anything, say moving forward, I know you, in the post earlier on that I read, you had one year sobriety, you hit the self-sabotage button, you regressed. And yet it appears in a very short time, hit the ground running again, because you had already pre-paved the change for yourself. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to, to that where, where you have, you know, people out there who are making subtle, small changes who can get disheartened because that boulder is so hard to move from going in one direction to the next. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to the despair that a person can feel while trying to break through this victim consciousness, this, this place that they've known nothing other than to, to turn the tide. Is there anything that you can, you can, um, offer or add to, to that for somebody to, to to just help them to be the change in their own world? So the beautiful thing about mistakes is that there is always a seed of an equal or greater opportunity within that mistake. Now, this is a seed, so you have to really cultivate the seed and nurture the seed and care for the seed. But as you do, there is wisdom that is unlocked in that mistake. It's, you know, called failing forward. Sometimes people call this. Whenever I have made a mistake, like when I relapsed at nearly a year sober, the beautiful thing was, I remember that moment where I was just kind of staring off and I was like, oh my God, I have totally betrayed myself. I have thrown away everything that I've worked for. This entire year of work and effort just gone. And there was something in me that knew that it's not gone, that I had so much that I had wisdom that I had already juiced from all of those experiences. And so to get the boulder to move again, there was already a path paved. There's already a crease where the boulder could begin to move even faster and with even more speed and more stability. And so the thing about this second time around, you know, I have nearly two and a half years sober at this point, and I am much more focused and much more clear on what I'm here to do. Um, there is a great wisdom that is in so many addicts that they came into this lifetime with, and not just addicts, but people who choose really hard lives and initiations, really. Um, to wake them up from this deep sleep, this deep slumber of trauma and darkness. A lot of these spirits 
came in with a great wisdom. And for me, I'm becoming more and more clear on what that is, the more focused I am on it. And that is to understand that it is possible on this planet to move from third dimensional addiction to fourth dimensional stability and sobriety and then to no longer try to recover from a seemingly you know disease of the mind and body something that's a predisposition that is in my DNA addiction, but to ascend that in from fourth dimensional consciousness to fifth dimensional consciousness. And what this means is that on the planet now, we have access to a healing energy and with conscious effort and willingness to go within and do the work, we can actually clear addiction from our lineage density and we can not pass these stories and this tragedy onto our children. And that has become the most sacred mission that I hold within me is to clear this and to speak to this. It is no longer about recovering from addiction for me. It's about recovering my divinity into form. Yeah. I call this fifth dimensional recovery yeah. and we can transcend this. We can. Now, if I didn't go through that relapse where I seemingly made the biggest mistake I could have, I threw a year of sobriety away. If I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be so convicted in what I'm saying to you right now. I would yeah. still be in the rooms of AA <clears throat> calling myself an addict. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's what you've said is just absolutely beautiful. And it sounds like, you know, self-compassion was, you know, very evident there with yourself as you walked yourself through that, that, that um, corridor. Um, I love what you said about it's, it's uh, how did you put it again? Fifth dimensional Fifth-dimensional recovery. recovery. Yep. Yeah, because that's what, what's happening here. We're all waking up to the, to the divinity within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that to get to that place, we have to really give ourselves a break. We're coming in here to have these experiences. We don't, they're not being done lightly. Um, I'm just in awe of the journey. I'm, I'm in awe of the transition from one world into the next, and 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 it is a dance. It's it's um, it, it's a dance of two steps forward, three back, but never stopping moving forward. I love what you said at the very beginning of this conversation, where you said you were fighting for your life, mm -hmm. and when you said that. As I listened, I just got this vision of you fighting not just for your physical existence, but for everything, mm. for everything. And as you, you know, embark on this journey, 
and you smash the wheel generationally in your world i think people need to realize the power that it, of, of each and every single person doing this we do it for the, for the whole that it, it can be shown to be a new way of living and being and doing and that when you when you detach from that morphic field of of what was known as addiction like that it's so limited it's like it's, it's like a, a limited perception of it when it's just so much bigger so mm -hmm. much bigger the fight for your life for me is the fight for everything all of your potential experiences to come how you see yourself in the world how you feel your unborn baby in your arms mm. that, that love that, that love of yourself first and foremost gifts you with the capacity to access oh god goosebumps but to access the knowing of what you came here to experience not just from the place of pain and trauma but from the place of joy and bliss and happiness and that the euphoria that you eventually get intimate with is caused and created from yourself as opposed to all of the things that you reached for in the past i don't think people realize that and this euphoria, euphoria that this joy this bliss can be attained internally because it really can I mean I'm talking to it this is not just my opinion I'm talking to you if I'm talking to you then it's real mm. and in that, that knowing in, in that capacity to nurture to nurture that love of yourself, to choose you in each and every moment, to not choose the story, but to choose what's unfolding. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's like meeting yourself where you are, mm. knowing what you came here to do, staying wide open to what's trying to make its way to you. In this case, motherhood mm. i know that joy i know that euphoria as i looked into each of my children's eyes so i know what you're reaching to and equally i'm here to tell you that it's there for you mm. it's magic it really really is magic and that if you know if there's one thing that i could say just to kind of finish up is Each and every person deserves that experience in their life. They deserve that freedom. They deserve that chance. I don't know. I'm just so full of love right now, even listening to you speak, because it's been incredible. I feel like I would like to speak to one last concept that's just asking to be to be shared and that's the consistent level of releasing the identity and the personality structures of who I've I thought I was like I created a whole identity 
from 14 years old of like the stoner girl, you know, who like does LSD and like mushrooms, like to an addict, like a heroin addict sleeping on the streets in the psych ward, lost my mind. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've had a break out of that into somebody who is in recovery and in the rooms of the 12 steps and I'm an addict. My name's Missy Sue and I'm an addict. I'm an addict to breaking free of that mm -hmm. into stepping into and leaning into what I'm sharing today. And I just want to encourage others by example and say it's only by releasing who we think we are yes. that we make room for who we are truly and the wholeness of our essence. And that is ever expanding. Like we came on this planet to evolve and to expand. So let us not confine ourselves with labels. Yeah. And let us transcend um, into a higher level of consciousness, which is just, there is no disease that cannot be healed. There is no um, condition that cannot be transcended. We were born to do this work. We've, we've done lifetimes and lifetimes of training to get to this moment. And I just want to say, like, I didn't even know what the ascension was two years ago. I didn't have space to know what the ascension was. I was, like, trying to survive on a daily basis, right? Mm -hmm. But this wisdom is, is unlocking in me more every single day. And so many people who are seemingly in the darkness right now, who you could easily look at and say, oh, what a lost cause. They'll never mm -hmm. wake up. You know, like they're just, they're gone. They're out of their minds. Understand that many of them came in here to experience such despair and darkness because they are that powerful spiritually. Yeah. And they hold within them a great wisdom. They are key holders for this planet and for our ascension. And when we include that and we treat them as such, we make space for them to become who they were born to be. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me today for this and especially hot on the heels of yesterday's post. I know you don't do it lightly, but I, I appreciate it. I think that anybody listening to this today will hear everything that you've spoken to. Um, Thank you, beyond words. Hmm. I would love to to do this again sometime in the new year to go go deeper again. I think what you have to offer and what you have to give is so crucial. On on the on the front line, on the on the on the field, on the battlefield of this life, you know that 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 people who how do I even say this? Todd says it all the time, the human is the hero. Mm. The one that's in here, in, in the skin of Melissa in the, the skin of Mrs. Hugh, the human is the hero. We're in here showing up time and time and time and time again, despite having an out, mm. despite being able to, to stand down and, and we keep showing up and, and, and that resilience that we have as humans 
that's what I love about this conversation. You've spoken to that. And I would love to do that again, because I think right now, the places that people find themselves in, that that des desperation, that isolation, that loneliness, that feeling that it's just happening to them, that's what I'd love to talk to because people aren't alone. They're not aware of what it is that has consumed them or holds them or keeps them in prison within their own minds, within their own hearts. And for me, that's what I, why I just hit the go live button for the likes of this, even though for me, this is not comfortable. <laughs> so I would love to do this again. If, uh, if it resonates with you in the new year and see where it takes us. I would love to. I, I just want to say in closing, I just want to thank everybody who has been on this journey, on this spiritual journey of awakening for many years. Unlike myself, who is very new to this awakening and to the fifth dimensional massive ascension happening on the planet. Um, Without way showers and, and pavers like yourselves, people like me couldn't catch up so quickly. So let us continue to hold space for those who are in the darkness and who are mm. asleep. Yeah, absolutely. Until next time. Mm. Bye. Thank you so much. Mm.